Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. God will respond because he wants to make himself known. Now, it may not be right then. It may not be that day. It may not be that week. It may not be that month. It may not be that year. Because maybe in your life, maybe in your family, he's working out some things. And it's just going to take you to go through the press for a while until those things are removed and dealt with. But on the authority of God's word, if you call upon his name, he will deliver. That is the promise of God's word. And we either believe it or we don't. That's God's word. Most of us have had things that we've prayed for, maybe even for years, without experiencing a clear answer or response from God. This can be hard. In some cases, we may even question if he's listening. In today's message, Pastor David reassures us that he is listening and he will respond. It may not fit within our time frame, but he is a loving father. And when we seek to follow him and know his will, we can trust that he'll reveal it to us in his perfect time. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Their Eyes Were Opened. Men and women, both who had heard the testimony of the Lord Jesus as he declared, I'm going to rise again. And when they received the truth of that resurrection, the men don't believe. It's interesting, even in his unbelief, though, Peter, Peter decided he would check it out himself. So John tells us that, the, that uh, in John's gospel, he says that uh, he himself also ran with Peter, but that's not spoken of here in Luke. In Luke, in verse 12, it says, Peter rose up and he ran to the tomb and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes laying by themselves and he departed. But it says there that he marveled to himself at what had happened. It doesn't really say, and he believed that the Lord had risen from the dead. Luke also shares with us that some of the details of the meeting Jesus had with these two disciples, and we're going to look at that in a moment, but you've got to realize in the midst of all of this, every one of these, these women, these men, these disciples, not only the, the 11 disciples, but the other followers of Christ, their, their world was over. It was, it's, it, I mean, everything that they had hoped in was gone now, as far as they knew. Now in verse 13, tells us, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which, they had, which had happened, and so it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. 
And Jesus said to them, what kind of a conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and are so sad? Emmaus is believed to be a village between Jerusalem, like on the way to the coast, heading to Joppa, only about seven miles or so outside of Jerusalem, about a half day's journey. It wouldn't have been a hard walk, but from the context of the story, we realize that they probably started a little bit later in the day, because by the time they get to where they're going, it becomes evening. As they walked, they were, they were speaking about the only thing really, that was on the mind of all of the disciples. What happened to our Lord? What happened to our Lord after we placed him in the tomb? And it was so clear by their speech and and by their countenance that they were discouraged and they were troubled by all of these events. Bad enough that they've killed our Lord, but now someone's gone in and stolen his body. They still don't get it. They still haven't... understood and come to the clarification that no, all the promises that he declared have already been fulfilled. He's risen from the dead. As they walked and talked, suddenly Jesus, Luke tells us, was near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they didn't know him. Now, we don't know if that was the work of the Holy Spirit for a time or the fact that the resurrected body of Jesus looked so different. We do know that when Jesus met with Mary Magdalene, that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him at first. We understand that. We also know that uh, when he went to the upper room where the disciples were, the disciples didn't really recognize him. He had to say, hey, it's, it's me. So whether it be something that the Holy Spirit had blinded their eyes or whether there was such a difference in the appearance of Jesus, something was going on that these guys did not recognize that it was Jesus at that point. And Jesus spoke to them, and he asked them, hey guys, what in the world are you talking about? You both seem so bummed out as you're walking along here. Verse 18, then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said to them, have you been living in a cave? No, they buried him one, but he got out of that one. He says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And and I love it. I love Jesus. He says, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and worked before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned and cru- condemned to death and crucified him. I love here how the Lord made them think through and then verbally declare their current situation. Jesus understood their position. He understood their situation. And he even understood their thought process. But he wanted them to voice it and to voice it out loud. And personally, beloved, I think that that's healthy for us. I think that it's healthy when we don't know what's going on. When we're disappointed with life and God. And yeah, even when we're mad with God to voice it out, to speak it out, to declare that. Some people say, oh, no, no, you, you don't want to do that. That's, that's negative confession. Well, let me read you some negative confession of the psalmist in Psalm 10. He says, in Psalm 10, the psalmist declares, why do you stand far off, O Lord? Why do you hide in times of trouble? 
The wicked in his pride is persecuting the poor. Let them be caught in their plots which they've deceived or devised. For the wicked boast of his heart's desire, he blesses the greedy and renounces the Lord. Beloved, this isn't a lack of faith. This is simply a declaration of what we see in our reality. People say, oh no, that's negative confession. You don't want to speak those things. Hogwash. Because I see it within the word of God over and over. I believe that our God would rather have an honest heart than one that's trying to deceive themselves and everybody else around them and trying to deceive God. Oh no, everything's wonderful. Everything's marvelous. Everything's beautiful. And in the meantime, life is falling all apart all around you. I believe that our God is big enough to say, God, I so desperately need your help and I don't feel your presence right now. God, I so desperately need you right now. And God, to me, you're far away. Where's your power, Lord? Where is the promise of your presence in times of trouble? When I'm going through that valley of the shadow of death, your word says that you'd be there with me, Lord. Where are you at that point in time? Beloved, that's just honesty before the Lord. And I can show you scripture after scripture after scripture of men of God who declare the same thing. And our God is big enough to answer, yeah, even those questions and those doubts. It's not a rejecting of God. It's a crying out to God. It's a recognition that God, you, you, you promised tonight, I need you to fulfill that promise in my life because my life right now is in desperate straits. This is the honest reality of where these guys are in their understanding. Everything had crashed. Everything had burned. And although it really didn't and it really hadn't, but in the reality of their own mind and understanding, that is what was going on. And they go on to express their heartbreak and their confusion. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, he goes on to declare, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. And yes, certain, uh, certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. There, there's no testimony of a belief of a resurrection here. Did you catch that? These women came and they said that, you know, he wasn't there, that the angel said that he was risen from the dead. But we went, we checked it out, there's no body. We, we just don't know what's going on. They share the testimony of the women, but in the context of it, they still don't believe, they still don't understand what's happened. And now, Jesus is going to step in and he's going to respond to them. And beloved, I just want to, uh, again, encourage you on the authority of God's word. When we're honest before God, God will respond because he wants to make himself known. Now, it may not be right then. It may not be that day. It may not be that week. It may not be that month. It may not be that year because maybe in your life, Maybe in your family, he's working out some things and it's just going to take you to go through the press for a while until those things are removed and dealt with. But on the authority of God's word, if you call upon his name, he will deliver. That is the promise of God's word. And we either believe it or we don't. That's God's word. 
Jesus comes in and he begins to speak to them. Now, there's going to be some rebuke in these words. But it's simply the Lord telling these men where their heart really is. They're walking in this huge lack of understanding of the Scriptures, this huge lack of faith in the declared words of Jesus himself. And look what he says in verse 25. Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now these guys would have known the scriptures. They were good Jewish men. They would have had at least a good head knowledge and understanding of the scriptures that Jesus is about to share with them. But knowing the word of God, catch this church, knowing the word of God, and in practicality, believing and acting upon the word of God are two different things. Two different things. Knowing the word of God and believing and acting upon the word of God, two different things. I believe that there's a lot of people in the church today that, man, they, they know the word of God. They know chapter and verse. They, 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 they can teach the word of God, but are they actually living the truth of that word in their own lives? Jesus is now going to do this little Bible study with them. Now, we don't know how long the, the, the trip is. We do know that it's seven miles to get there, but we don't know where Jesus got in the middle of that uh, journey as they were going to Emmaus. But Luke tells us that he began at Moses, and he went through all the prophets, and he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Let me ask you, wouldn't you love to be a part of that little Bible lesson? Wow, to sit at the feet of Jesus as who is the word of God, explaining the word of God about himself, the word of God. That would have been powerful. He went on in the, the very word there that, that it used that he was expounding to them. He was translating, he was interpreting, he was bringing to life the written word of God. As he went through the writings of Moses and on through the prophets, he would have shared with them no doubt about the seed of woman way back in Genesis. That again, that seed of woman is going to crush the head of Satan. He'll be bruised in the heel, but he himself will crush the head of Satan. There's no doubt he would have brought out the blessings and the promises of Abraham that through Abraham all nations were going to be blessed through his seed. He would have no doubt spoken about Abraham taking his son, his only son, Isaac, up to the mountain because God had said to sacrifice him. And before Abraham sacrificed him, God interrupted that. And God himself provided a lamb for that sacrifice. There's no doubt that he would have spoken about that man who wrestled with Jacob until the early mornings. There's no doubt he would have spoken about that out of the tribe of Judah, the lion of the tribe of Judah would come to reign and rule. The voice crying uh, there, speaking out from that burning bush that drew Moses's attention and directed Moses to go back to Egypt to set those captives free. And then from there, even the speaking of the Passover lamb that we read about in the book of Exodus and how he himself was that Passover lamb, he himself being that prophet greater than Moses. Then when he went into the prophets, 
He could have spoken about, you remember when Joshua was about to take over Jericho and he came to the walls of Jericho the night before and he looked and there was a, a man standing with a sword drawn and Joshua asked him, are you for us or are you for our enemy? And that one holding the sword said, neither one. I am captain of the host of God. Speaking of himself through this all, he would have undoubtedly spoken about the kinsman redeemer that we read about in the book of Ruth. We read about the son of David, an offspring of David, that's going to be a king that's greater than David, and that there would always be someone from the throne of David or from the lifeline of David that would sit upon the throne of Israel. There's no doubt that as he went into the book of Isaiah, chapter 53 would have been the primary area that he would have gone uh, speaking about. Uh, Again, the suffering servant Messiah. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. But we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. The suffering servant Messiah. No doubt he would have spoken from the book of Daniel. The prince that was coming, that was cut off, and yet came back again to reign and rule and establish a kingdom that would never end. Throughout the Word of God, we read the reality of the Savior as well as the aspect of the necessity of His suffering on our behalf. The men would have been familiar with those passages, but now they were able to connect the dots as Jesus, beginning from the writings of Moses and on through the prophets, declared about Himself. Look at verse 28. Then they drew near the village. Where the, near the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, No, uh, abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass, uh, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Then he vanished from their sight. That's just like, oh man, why didn't he stay for a little while? We finally figured out who he was, and he left. They said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? The two disciples, they, they, they finally came to that point of recognizing him. And then they recalled it. Man, even before we recognized, while he was sharing that the word of God with us, man, we... Our, our hearts were on fire because of the truth and the power of that word. Through the opening of the scripture, through the correct interpretation of the word of God, beloved, that's when one comes to know the certainty of the message of the gospel. You can read this word, and there are uh, uh, college professors that teach this word in uh, world religion classes. They have no idea of the power of this word. We go on uh, uh, tours to Israel, and then during those tours, many times we'll have Jewish tour guides who know the gospel accounts and perhaps the, the accounts of the book of Acts probably better than most of us. But they don't know the authority behind that. They don't know the truth behind that. You see, it's the word of God 
interpreted correctly that again allows us to understand the power of God. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul told that Corinthian church. Man, it's all in the scriptures. It's right there. We just need to believe it. Paul spoke and he explained uh, again about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ in 1 Corinthians. He said, man, I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he arose again the third day according to the scriptures, according to the word of God. Once the Lord there with these two men took bread, he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to him. Suddenly their eyes were opened, they knew him and then he vanished from their sight. How amazing that had to be. The Lord revealing himself through his word. Beloved, I think that what we see here is both the word and the work of Christ coming together, the presence of Christ. To have the knowledge of the Lord without a personal interaction, an active and a vibrant relationship with him, we simply remain in our sin. We are informed, but we are lost. You can have brain knowledge, but until it becomes active faith, you're still in your sin. And yet also to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but yet not have a knowledge of his word, then we become fruitless in the kingdom's work. And we're easily led astray by every wind of doctrine. We're not equipped to be able to stand up against uh, the, the attacks of the word of God and the truth of the word of God. Do you know where the biggest pool of converts come from for cults such as the LDS and Jehovah's Witness. It comes from Christians who don't know this word. Oh, they believe in God. Oh, I love Jesus. But there's absolutely no foundation in their life. There's no strength within their life to be able to combat the lies and the deceitfulness of the enemy. We've got to have them both in our lives, beloved. Biblical knowledge and a growing relationship in order that our lives might remain balanced, powerful in the Lord's call upon our life. These men had that personal relationship with the Lord, but they were ignorant of the fullness of the scripture until Jesus finally opened their eyes. And once their eyes were opened to the fullness of the scripture and the impact of the presence of Jesus in their lives, it's at that point that they returned to tell the others to testify of the truth and to the fullness and the reality of the resurrection because now they've seen it in the word, they've experienced again in that relationship. Peter tells us that we all need to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We all need that. If we ever stop becoming learners in our Christian faith, we're going to slide backwards. I guarantee you that. I've been a Christian since I was a senior in high school. I've been in ministry for 40 years. Beloved, I know that if I don't keep studying and allowing that word to continue to be real and true in my life. How easy it is for this whole piece of flesh to knock the lid off that coffin and come back alive and try to make its way. I know that. You know that. We need to continue to grow. Knowledge and relationship. And we are both called, or we are called to both of those. Wherever you're at in your walk with the Lord and your journey with the Lord, let me encourage you on, on, on two things. Number one, know for certain that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
It's not by head knowledge, beloved. It's by a surrendered life. A life that is sold out to Him. A life that desires Him above all things. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.